Welcome to Troubadours on Trek. This is your captain speaking, Grace Pettis. I'm a big star Trek fan. I'm also a working musician and a songwriter, but enough about me. Every month I review an episode of Star Trek with another musician. I share an episode of the greatest science fiction television series of all time with them, and in return they share their road stories and songs with us. Pretty boys with Engage. So here we are with another stirring episode of <laughs> Troubadours on Trek. Um, today we are doing episode seven of the first season of the original series called What Are Little Girls Made Of? And uh, we have Barbara Nesbitt on the line. Hi. <laughs> Hi. You are our special guest for today. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. I am a Trekkie since I was a kid. I am so excited to hear that. I have been so excited to have you on this show because you're one of the only musicians that I know. (laughs) Who's a dork like this? Who's actually as big a dork as me, yeah. So (laughs) I've been been waiting for this one. This is... Me too. I was hoping we were going to do this. And uh, plus, we're both Georgia girls. So, you know... I know. I was going to bring that up too. Um, What part of Georgia are you from? I lived a lot of different places, was born in Warner Robins, but I kind of grew up, most of my formative years was spent in Stone Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> what, about, what about you? Uh, I'm an Atlanta girl. I grew up in Atlanta in like Decatur and Avondale. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I love how they go by the counties there. It's all Fulton, yeah. Decatur, DeKalb. <laughs> yeah, I, we were in DeKalb County. So. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty cool watching the elections. Oh, um, my gosh. Go Georgia. The, I mean, just seeing those counties light up was pretty thrilling for me. <laughs> after after the Falcons four years ago, I just I just couldn't keep my hope, couldn't get my hopes up about Georgia coming through. <laughs> Oh my god. They did. Oh my god. You should you should hang with my brother George because he's like a huge Falcons fan and he's he's diehard about it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a fair weather fan, but I, yeah. I don't I don't pay super close attention until they're like actually doing something later in the season and it's looking interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that is a fair weather fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even understand how the sports things work. So <laughs> I think it's about drinking and yelling at the TV. It's yeah, pretty much yeah. what it is. I mean, I'm good at that. So and knowing how to do it better than all of they do. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Monday morning quarterback. Right, uh, right. Thing. Yeah. Well, um, talk to me about I don't know some of the other places that you lived because you, like me, moved to Virginia for a minute, um, and I think you were in like a hippie jam band out there. Is that, is that right? That very, very well described it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I lived a lot of places. I lived in North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Florida. I've lived in Hong Kong. I've lived in Glasgow, Scotland. I've lived in California, wow. like all over. Um, but yeah, I did pop up to Virginia right around the time I was 15. I had been, I was a little runaway mm. and was slash, slash homeless and uh, ended up meeting a bunch of hippies and we just ended up starting a band. I didn't even, I always loved to sing, but I never thought I could sing. I never mm-hmm. thought I was any good at it. And th- they would jam in the living room and I would always make waffles because that was all we could afford was like this 25 pound bag of waffle mix. And we had this waffle iron. So I would just make waffles mm-hmm. for everybody and sing along and give them all waffles. And then one day somebody, mm-hmm. uh, my friend Bernie Lee put a microphone stand up for me and said, come here. <laughs> and That was it. 
Wow. Is that when you picked up a guitar? I picked up a guitar year, a few years later when I kind of wanted to be a little more autonomous and wanted to write. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it was that kind of got you started with the writing, you know? Um, for a long time, I was in this jam band. We did a lot of dead and a lot of covers, but then also Bernie Lee, he was the main writer. He would write songs from my perspective. I would tell him my stories and my dreams and, all that, and he would, he would write for me, just saying, wow. which was amazing. Um, but then I think I realized we, the band broke up. We had, an, an, um, one of my friends in the band passed away and, and the band eventually disbanded and, Mm, um, I started doing some, yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awful. It was pretty awful, but, um, and ended up changing the course of my life into more of a duo and then a solo thing. I wrote a few songs in Virginia, but it wasn't until I moved to California. Mm. Um, I moved with a, with a boyfriend who was in the military and get stationed out there. And Mm -hmm. I decided to uproot myself and go. And I, I met these people. I met, went and played this, um, showcase uh, for a woman called Catherine Beeks. And I played maybe five songs. I played three covers and a couple of originals I'd written over the previous seven years or something. And Mm -hmm. at the end of that show, someone came up to me and said, you know, uh, those covers were great, but your original songs, they're really special. I wish you'd have played more of those. And I was like, well, because I've been playing cover of music for so long Mm -hmm. and really didn't have a place to, to show original songs, the places where I was getting hired, wanted cover bands. And, um, and then all of a sudden I was like, what, you want to hear my songs? (laughs) I don't understand what the words you are saying. (laughs) And (laughs) I ended up writing two albums in the next year and a half. Wow. It was that inspiring just to have an outlet, just to have some, like somewhere to play these songs. It, Do you I think it was I, like a, like a dam that just kind of broke? Yes, one hundred percent. I just didn't know it was in there. I didn't know um, because I didn't think anybody gave a shit. Excuse me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. No, I think I think shit is fine. Like if we go, <laughs> <laughs> if we if we if we go much more like I don't know obscene than shit, I'll probably have to okay. have to bleep Please. it out. But I think that one. Like, I, I can't remember what the FCC things are, but I feel like that one's right. loud, right? See, when you say FCC, I think of three words that start with F, C, and C. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say them. <laughs> uh, if I do manage to pop out with one, would you please use a, use a chainsaw as, like, to cover? <laughs> well, now I'm definitely going to do that. <laughs> Have you seen those things on YouTube where they just like take like innocent G-rated movies and stuff and then they just oh, put no. in the the bleep sound randomly so it just sounds like everybody's <laughs> I know that's awesome I love it. Yeah, it's really I love funny. It. It's I sometimes, sometimes I think the sound itself is like more obscene than the actual word, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's because that's what it's, it's become, it's come to mean the worst of things. Right. Right. (laughs) So your head, (laughs) your brain just fills in the blanks. Automatically with the worst, (laughs) with the best, I should say best possible words. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah, no, but I, I did know that about you, um, leaving home at 15 and I didn't know that about your friend though. I mean, then it's really awful. And I, but when I think about you and I think about your music, um, I guess I hear you, you're, you're definitely a positive person, but you're not like a sugar coater 
person. <laughs> and you're you're more of a truth teller. And I, I definitely hear that, like, not just in the songs that you write, but the way that you sing, you know, it's, it's honest. That's um, lovely. I'm, I'm so glad that, that you said that. Um, that's, I mean, that's important to me. That's very important to me. So I, I'm glad mm-hmm. it comes off that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the struggles that you've been through and, you know, your journey, like, don't you think, like, do you think that that kind of, I don't know, like you said that it was this thing that you had inside. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, it does color everything that I do, the way that I approach music or relationships or just, just everything. I, I am, um, I have, you know, I'm, I'm fairly happy. I have some depression. I can see it from here at most times, but I'm mm-hmm. mostly okay because gratitude is, it just keeps me, keeps me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't like sugar-coated things. I don't, I can go listen to someone who is playing and they are just incredibly proficient, amazing singer. They can have everything going for them, but if I don't believe them, yeah. then I'm, I'm not interested in coming back. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important to me. And yeah, I write some silly, stupid, funny, whatever songs also, but most of my songs have a real serious edge of truth and honesty and vulnerability to them. And some of them even sound sad, but even the sad ones, I think still have a tinge. If you listen, if you look for it, a tinge of (laughs) their songs of hope. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely in there. It's, I think there's hope in even your saddest songs. Mm -hmm. And I think, even in your silliest songs, there's, there's a little bit of honesty. Yes, well. yes, you know? it is. So it's all kind of in there. It's a little bit of sunshine and whiskey and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not Pollyanna. I've got to, we've got to come up with another term that's not Pollyanna, but also, you know, isn't like, um, you know, trailer trash that I came right. from, <laughs> well, you know, like you got to have a little bit of both, I think in life. Yeah you know, it's an interesting mix. You got to get the valve just right. So that the mix is like hot and cold water. <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's exactly. not scalding and it's not freezing. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to be too much of a, like a classy, you know, buttoned up type, but you also don't want to like be, but I don't, I don't need to go around poking the bear constantly either. I, yeah. I don't need to be like, <laughs> let me see how far I can push you. Yeah. I, I, that's not interesting to me. I, I think that like, the you know a musical journey that happens like during a show for me the ones that feel the best are the ones where there's this kind of push and pull where you kind of give something to the audience and then you sort of expect a little bit back you know Uh, yeah it's never like too much one or the other you know which makes it these days very interesting and changes that dynamic in such a way you know my my first band was a cover grateful dead cover band and all that. And and I've always loved Jerry Garcia and Jerry Garcia once put it this way. He said, music in a band is like a battery in a car. And then the, the audience is like an alternator and wow. an alternator, you know, it sends that energy back to the battery, continually recharging it. And without that alternator, the battery just puts out and puts out and puts out till it gives up till there's nothing left. Wow. That is great. Right. He's wow. great. That's great. <laughs> well, and, and you got kind of, I mean, it's, it makes sense to me that you're using like these sort of science metaphors about, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember any of these experiments we did in like middle school and high school with light bulbs, but um, you, on the other <laughs> hand, have a degree in aeronautical science. So uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. That's kind of unusual for a 
for a songwriter. Right. right. Well, I always, <laughs> school was always my jam. Home was definitely not good. And school made sense. I like, you learn how to do this and then you do it. And if you get it wrong, they teach you how to do it right. And if you get it right, you get an attaboy. <laughs> it was like, it made, it made sense in a world that did not make sense anywhere else. And I yeah. just, it came naturally to me. I was very lucky to be academically, I don't know, inclined, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but then, you know, I ended up dropping out of high school. I skipped two grades and like, and the, but still ended up dropping out of high school. Um, so you skipped two grades and then dropped out. Yeah. Well, I didn't have my, I, it's a, kind of a long story, but I, but my father kind of ousted me. And mm. so I didn't have anywhere to live. So I couldn't go to school. So I was just trying to figure out how to survive for a long time, but it was, and then got involved with these crazy hippies and joined a band. It was like running away <laughs> and joining the circus basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a few years later when I decided I wanted to get my GED, um, mm academics were very important to me and reading and and learning were very important to me. And the fact that I hadn't had my degree, even my high school diploma was like a hole in my life. So I, I decided to get that. And, uh, shortly thereafter, I met a boy, I would say he was my (laughs) first real love and he was a pilot and he took me up flying a few times. Mm. Um, and then he broke my heart. Um, mm-hmm. actually he's not a bad guy. He just, it just didn't work out. And, uh, but my heart was absolutely broken. And when I finally was able to start moving at, like off of the sofa again, after mm-hmm. that, um, I decided I wanted to learn how to fly for a couple of reasons. One, cause I loved it Two, because I didn't just love that boy I, or like him I, I, or want to be with him. I wanted to be like him. I admired mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And, and, um, the third reason was because I, I needed to do something to occupy myself, um, yep. or else I was going to just sink. And so I didn't tell anybody. Um, I got a second job and I saved up the money and I didn't tell anybody I was doing it, learning how to fly because I had been taught from infancy that girls cannot do anything, especially me, that I would fail at everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just knew I'd fail, but I didn't want to do it publicly. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to, mm-hmm. to know that I was going to fail. And so I quietly started taking lessons and but I got my books and like got all my gear, my, my headset and everything together. And I took what was then a selfie with a disposable camera mm-hmm. <laughs> of me with my books and how excited I was. And I didn't tell a single soul until, wow. I, until my first solo flight. And, uh, and then I decided I was really in love with it. So I enrolled in college and decided to join a flight team in college and got a degree in aeronautical science and had this whole plan of becoming, um, a commercial airline pilot. I was, I was even, I was the captain of my flight team. I was the first woman to win the, um, regional top pilot award, uh, in these competitions. It was pretty freaking cool. And I'll tell you that the boys in the Naval Academy did not speak to me ever again after I got that award. (gasps) Really? Uh, Yes. Yeah. I know. Sad, pathetic boys. That was such awful. Disappointing. It was so, we had such great times at all the meets. And then when I won, uh, uh-uh, that was it. They were done with me. But wow. by the time I finished my degree, I had been t- like playing with this band and kind of trying to tour while doing college a little bit. And, and I just realized that I just, that music was a stronger pull. And mm-hmm. so that the diploma, all of that work, it's basically just a picture on a wall right now. But I mean, it's still really cool. And I don't know. I, do you feel like it's, does music feel like flying or does flying feel like music? I mean, there, there are certain figurative, um, comparisons for sure. And there's, there's certain actual 
physical comparisons, you know, those, just those moments when you feel perfect in, in, in the place that you are, you're exactly where you, you want to be and mm. couldn't have possibly dreamed you would be, but you are in that moment. And there are definitely moments like that in the air, especially at night. It's weird. And then they're alone at night. Um, and then there are moments like that on a stage alone sometimes, but mainly like bigger moments, like, like mm-hmm. Willie Nelson moments. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of Willie Nelson moments, you actually have had some of those because you have opened for, have you opened for him or did you sing with him? Which was it? Both of those things happened in one night. It was New Year's wow. Eve at, um, at Moody theater. It, um, it was, it was incredible, incredible. He mm. just looked into my very soul. People kept saying, you're going to smoke pot with Willie Nelson. And I kept saying, you know what? I don't want to go to the hospital on New Year's Eve. So <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. He was so sweet and gracious. And I wish there had been more. And he probably doesn't even know who I am, but certainly I will never forget that experience. Wow. That's, that's so cool. But the problem with singing with Willie Nelson is that then what? (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah, but you have done a lot. Then what? Oh, I've I've been super, super lucky. Yeah. I mean, very lucky. You had a lot of like critical acclaim in Austin for, I mean, I know you had some in uh, San Diego as well, but then like in Austin, you've, you've, haven't you like won some Austin music awards? Like, yeah, got the you know, um, best new band was, um, from the whiskey, the whiskey sisters. sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I feel like we're talking so much about me. I almost never do this, but I, but then well, I realized, wait, this podcast is kind of you interviewing me. Yep. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> what we're doing here. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to put, put in there really, really quickly, Grace, that I, I think the world of you, I think you're an amazing Aww. songwriter and that new song of yours, white noise is absolutely beautiful and mind blowing and deep and so many level. It's just perfect for right now. You're, you're incredible. I love that song and Art Dressel and I were just talking about it yesterday and he's just like, he doesn't even have words. He doesn't even have words. That's that's (laughs) so sweet. Thank you so much. Um, it's funny that you bring up art because he actually, uh, texted me the other day. And, uh, when we did, we did this like virtual festival thing. Um, to raise money to move some Confederate monuments. And I included that song and he texted me afterwards and he was like, I love this song and I'm sending it to like everyone I know. <laughs> I and like, he did. I was on that list. So, I've already heard it, but and he there did. You go. There you go. But, um, well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. That was one that I was really proud of. Um, in 2020. Gosh, you should be. So. And you have so many songs that you, sh- that you should be proud of. You're such, I told Thank Art you. yesterday that you, you're one of those songwriters that is just not even fair. Oh, <laughs> it's, not, it's just not fair. Uh, if I didn't love you, I would hate you. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> My way of making a compliment. <laughs> no, that is like the nicest thing. Like, yeah, oh, that's I mean so it. nice. Thank you. Um, and the feeling is mutual. I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. I love hearing you play and sing as you know, cause I always Thank like, you. I get rowdy, you know, like I'll stand <laughs> up and yell and like, I'm drinking and I'm into it. And maybe it's the Georgia thing partially, but like, Bring I don't, it. I don't think that's all of it. I think it's, you know, I, I think people resonate with what you do because it is real. It's good. And it's also real. (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, real, real people resonate with it then I would say, because you're definitely falling that category. Oh, thank you, man. Well, let's talk about Star Trek. Yes. Here we are. And you have 
a legit Star Trek upbringing. Yeah. Which I'm so excited to talk about. What was your what was your Star Trek series like gateway drug? So my gateway drug was the original series reruns. Amazing. Um, and in the on 80s, like on like the public television yeah, channels. Yeah. 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 In Stone Mountain. Um, we would watch in the evenings and I think sometimes there would be a weekend episode. I can't remember. I'm, I can't remember, but, um, we were way into it. My dad liked it. And so my, it, my brother and I would watch with him. My sister was somewhere playing with a doll, mm-hmm. but, uh, my brother and I were totally into it. And we ended up starting a club <laughs> for people in our, um, subdivision called Redan. And the club was called STAR, which was an acronym for the Star Trek Association of Redan. Oh, <laughs> sort of God. My and God. We, we, had all, we had a list of all of the episodes and oh. you had to check off the ones that you've seen. And oh that was kind God. of like the hierarchy of our club. We had my stepmother made homemade freaking outfits that were incredible. Wow. She made communicators and phasers. Oh, my I mean, God. We were, we were into this shit. Oh, <laughs> we were, I feel like we need to, we need to revive this club and we need to call it like stat, you know, like an Star Trek association of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> stat. I like it. It means two things at least. Exactly. <laughs> or just sta, Star Trek association of Austin. Ah, sta. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can say it in like your your uh, Catherine Hepburn accent. Yeah, yeah, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, we we totally were into it. And uh, then for me, the Wrath of Khan was like the oh yeah, P.S. de la Resistance. Yeah, and yeah. I can quote I can now quote you any day. On I'm movie. sure you can, but I do love that movie, and it's my favorite of the Star Trek movies. For the record, easily. Like, I easily. do like the new series of movies, though. I will say, I do too. Um, I do too. I, I, I don't but, understand why Khan is all of a sudden like the Angloist of all Anglo's. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I let it go because I really like him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We can nitpick it all day, but in the end, like just that chest alone, you know? Oh, good Lord. Oh my God. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. So funny. I, I'm glad he was able to get me out of the whole fantasy Island thing of him. Cause you know, that's like, that was who he was. But, but after Khan, he was Khan. See, I don't know him at all from fantasy. Island. Oh, like, yeah. I know. I'm a little, I'm a little older than you. I, and uh, yeah, fantasy Island was like in the love boat era of life. Right, right. The yeah. d- different little stars of the day would come on each episode, but he was the host. The host I, I still host. think, I think by a long shot, he's like the scariest bad guy in oh, all of Trek. So like, good. I mean, the Borg are are scary too, but he's the, yeah. there's just a thing about him that is so like terrifying. I don't know. And when you watch like the um, oh gosh, now now that I'm on the spot, it like fell in my brain. But the seed, the space seed, space yeah. seed. That, yes. Yeah, like that episode where we first meet Khan is yeah. like, it's truly terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. And you're also like a little turned on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, I, like, I really identify with like, what's her, what's her boobs? Right, right. Know? I would not have gone with him, but I do. Like, I, I, would, I would not have gone either. I would have stuck <laughs> with my like, with my Federation, you know, art career. But I. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But he oh, was, he was just so good. Was, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I mean, I know it, that's not my episode, but I just right, love right. it so much, and I love that Wrath of Khan used so many lines from classic books, like uh, especially yeah. Moby Dick and yeah. um, A Tale of Two Cities. I know that was awesome. 
And I, I kind of think that's one of the things about Khan that makes him so scary is that he's so deeply human, yes. you know, like it, in, in a lot of ways, and- in a lot of ways, he's the best of what humanity has to offer. And like, he knows the classics. He knows, you know, he has a soul, but he's like, yeah. He's evil, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, and, and he's so smart. And that right there just is so the biggest smart. turn off. Yeah, he's smarter than anyone in the room and, like... Anyone and, in the like, galaxy. <laughs> anyone in the galaxy. <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> and, and probably, like... And, I, and we don't really know if it's, like, in spite of that or because of it that he, you know, is so power-hungry and so evil and... Right, like, right. His, it really his, makes his you wonder... keep him from being, like, Narcissus. Right, right. And so it just... It kind of makes you sort of think about you know, the nature of humanity and what it is we're, we're trying to evolve into, you know? Well, I mean, obviously we're all <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, your, there's your chainsaw moment. <laughs> I'm making it, it hard on you. But isn't that, isn't that like an interesting parallel with like kind of the overarching theme of Trek, which is positive human evolution? You know, it's like this idea that humanity gets better, you know? Yeah. And then I love that idea. And then we have and then we have Khan and he's like the ultimate villain because he is like a living example of the opposite happening. So maybe the problem was instead of evolving, he was genetically engineered. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's part of it. But it definitely I don't know. I think it's it's like the perfect kind of foil for like the Federation dream, yeah. you know? Yeah. So God, I'm gonna have to watch it again today. I'm gonna watch it yeah, today. I'm it's so it. good. <laughs> it's so it. good. Um, well, let's get into this episode because this yes. is a pretty good one too. And uh, it's, it's really got everything. It's got hot babes and skimpy jumpsuits. It's got yep. like the first red shirt death. It has yep. uh, a cave rock that looks exactly, not a little bit, but exactly like a giant purple penis. It is a um, phallic stalactite. Yes. And uh, we also have <laughs> like a big scary alien android. We get, and we get a ton of screen time with Majel Barrett. Um, the first lady of Star Trek who yeah. plays Nurse Chapel. And in fact, I think this is really the only episode that features Nurse Chapel like to this degree. So it's a pretty classic episode. Um, yeah, she must say. she was Roddenberry's lover. Lover at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she finally she's like, You better get me in there, dear. <laughs> well, so she played number one, which I'm sure you know, in the unaired pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm saying it for our for our listening audience. <laughs> um <laughs> But then that character was nixed and they created a second pilot, which um, featured the bridge crew, basically like the crew that we know. Um, So then she was sort of, they put her in a blonde wig and said, now you're nurse chapel. And they tried to like sneak it by the suits and the suits totally noticed, but they, they let it go. (laughs) Um, I yeah. didn't really love the the original pilot, I have to tell you. But I think really? it's because I, yeah, I think it's because I had already seen every other episode 700 times before yeah. I saw that pilot. Yeah. Well, and you get attached to the crew the way you Exa- know That's them. exactly right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, and it was definitely a different tone. It was like more of a serious kind of dignified bridge crew. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah. Where, where, whereas our, our, our series could be called slapstick. Right. Right. There's <laughs> a lot less, less technicolor on that. It's certainly campy. Yeah. But are, have you heard about uh, Strange New Worlds, the the new series on CBS? No. Well, let me be the first to tell you they Go are going on. to like reboot um, that crew. So like that unaired first pilot, the crew, including Spock and uh, Captain Pike and uh, number one. And oh that's my gosh. yeah. Played by uh, Rebecca Romjan is how you say her name. I always forget. I don't know. Um, she's the one who was like, uh, she was um, 
Mystique in the X-Men movies. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, like her. She's amazing. And so she's playing number one, Mangel Barrett's character. Um, Oh, awesome. Yeah. And this is like a new series that they're... Who's playing Spock? It's this new kid. I forget his name, but he's really good. He's he's played him in uh, Discovery. Okay. And but it's like a young Spock, so it's a really interesting. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. it's super cool. Um, you should definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, it's not out yet, but it's coming out soon. And you should be watching Discovery if you're not already. Um, if only because there are so many cool tie-ins. To... Oh, I love the. T- okay, I haven't yeah. watched it yet. I will put that. I'm, I'm writing it down right now because my memory is crap. Free 30 day trial, my friend. And what, uh, what's it on? CBS All Access. Oh, I probably already have it. After this last year, I think I have all the things, or my oh. sister does. So, well, CBS All Access. So they have all of the Trek, like all of it. Oh, nice. And they also have um, Lower Decks, which is like a new animated series. They have that new Picard series. I want to watch that. See, I haven't watched many of the later um, series, and yeah. I haven't watched Picard, but that's high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. You got to dive in. I do in. like him. I was not a hater of, um, of that series at all. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that you were, um, like an original series girl, because I feel like a lot of people in our sort of age bracket, yeah. um, tend to be like next generation heads, you know, it was definitely my brother and my father, you know, and just the timing of the reruns mm-hmm. that happened in the eighties. That's, that's really cool. That, that's what it was. Yeah. <clears throat> I just think that's neat. I don't know. Cause, cause next generation was definitely my gateway drug. I mean, and yeah. I love the original series, but that came later for me. It's uh, weird it, to me. I feel like people who start with next generation might not like the original series because of its campiness, because of its like, you know, the technology isn't quite up to snuff. Um, well, but, I don't know. I think it's just so imaginative and it's so groundbreaking and, you know, the characters are so incredible, like Spock, you know, and Ahura. Mm, and like mm, just, mm. You just can't kind of beat it for that. So I, I, I don't know. I fell in love with it right away. But and I, I kind of love the campy stuff, too. But I do, too. And you're, yeah. you know, you're preaching to the preaching to the choir <laughs> for sure here. And Spock, I want to marry him. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I have a feeling that it's a little late, but I do. Yeah. But I, <laughs> like, I want to marry him. Hands down the best character. Um, God, yes. Hands down. Yeah. Um, and not very much in this episode and no McCoy and no Sulu. Yeah. No Sulu, no McCoy and, uh, no Scotty either. And no Uh, Scotty. That's right. Yeah. And only barely any Spock just to, to to get the secret coded message. Yep. We do get a Hura in the beginning and there's like a nice scene where she's hugging nurse chapel and she's got those fabulous like hoop earrings on that are all green and stuff. (laughs) You know, so we get a little bit of that, but she got so much flack for, you know, for those outfits. I mean, didn't you feel like you were being objectified and all this going on? And I think at one, one interview she responded with, I loved those sexy mini skirt outfits. <laughs> I absolutely, I felt so sexy and hot and beautiful. Mm-mm, no, you're not gonna make me feel like I was, a, I mean, like, if I was objectified, then fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think a grateful nation <laughs> thanks her for those mini skirts because oh, hell yeah. she looked amazing in those, and, like her legs incredible and so. what a thing to have a, a black woman yeah be such a prominent character on 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 a show in the 60s i oh, love yeah. that I yeah love it. and she's powerful and she's sexy and like she's a woman who's like an officer but she's also like she's a sexual human you know what yeah. i mean and i love yeah. that she can be both i think that's really cool yeah but um but yeah so 
Let's get back to Majel Barrett because there's a cool tie in here. She, you know, as you know, she played Loxana Troy in Next Generation. Yeah. The Betazoid ambassador and who is uh, Deanna Troy's mother. And she was also the voice of most of the computer um, in Star Trek. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. Yeah. So she's the computer. Every time you hear the computer, that's usually Majel Barrett. Um, But there's a really cool connection here because in Next Generation, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that, like, she, her character, Loxana Troy, had this valet, Mr. Hom. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Okay. So that guy was played by a guy named Carol Strukian. I think I'm saying that probably terribly incorrectly. <laughs> um, he was, uh, he was famous for also playing Lurch. In, yeah. the Ad- in the Adams oh, Family, right. yeah, in the Adams Family movies that were I like forgot. in the 90s. he was the ballot. Yeah, yeah, which is a cool connection with this episode because yeah. the guy that played Lurch in the original Adams Family show was a guy named Ted Cassidy. Ed Cassidy, yeah, who plays Ruck in this episode. And I remember seeing this episode for the first time and going. That's Lurch. I like. Yeah, I, I yeah. knew it was Lurch. Yeah. I hadn't remembered that he was also in Lost in Space, which I watched. Oh, he was in an episode cool. of Lost in Space, and he was dressed like freaking Aladdin. Wow, <laughs> that was crazy! So th- there's this outtake in this episode. Um, what are little girls made of? Where he runs on set in his Lost yes. in Space outfit and picks up Kirk and like spins him around and runs him out of the room or something, which I haven't actually seen, but I I haven't seen that either, but I've heard about that, that it's on like the blooper reel, which is like this classic thing that I don't know. And so is the spinny wheel is on that blooper reel, the the Uh replicator or whatever they call when how they're making robots on this episode. Android making merry-go-rounds. Right. Yeah. um, Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler. They're androids. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hopefully if you're listening to this, you have seen this episode by now, but um, Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, did you know that Ted Cassidy's hand is thing? Oh, no, but that makes sense. That makes sense. He's got yeah. such a big, I mean, yeah. he's just freaking huge. And and his voice, he had that like great deep voice. So he, mm-hmm. he also did the voice for Baylock in the Corbinite Maneuver. One of the voices. Oh. You know, if, and we won't give that one away. But if, if you've seen that episode, yes. you, know, you know that Baylock has two voices and you know why. But um, yeah. Yeah. And he also did the voice of the Gorn in the Arena episode. Jeez, they really they really got their money's worth out of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Arena is my favorite, my brother's favorite, and actually, it's, it's one great. of my least favorite. Are you like? Oh, it really? Not? Yeah, I don't love it. I, I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't even believe in this dinosaur, dude. I can't even. I can't get behind I think this. That's I'm sorry. Why it's so because, like, I think <laughs> I, I suspend my disbelief so much right. when. Well, I'm you kind of have to. Yeah, and and then you get to Arena, and you're like, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> right it's fine i'm just gonna laugh and enjoy this i soon. feel like i feel like that that uh di- what was that thing called what was that dinosaur person the called? The Gorn? Yes, the Gorn. Yeah. um i feel like he was the he must be the spawn of uh the slee stacks and the dinosaur dinosaurs mm-hmm. from from land of the lost yeah. <laughs> i think that's what they he is they did like a tie-in somehow <laughs> Yeah, there's still time. We have new Trek, so uh, (laughs) there's never. It's never over. It's never never over. over. Yeah, exactly. Um, And also, one more random fact about Ted Cassidy because I kind of went down a rabbit hole with him. Um, 
he his first job. There's also a Kennedy assassin, assassination connection with this episode because Ted Cassidy's first job was in news radio, and he was part of the coverage in Dallas when Kennedy was assassinated. Whoa! Well, he sure had the voice for it. Yeah. So wow. just crazy. Just so many weird like tie-ins in this episode. I, and I he did all of this and he still managed to die by 42 or something. I know. It's 45. So yeah. So sad. Did he? I wonder, I, I didn't look it up, but I wonder if it was, because he's so big. Did he I think it was like a pituitary thing? thing? Oh, a heart thing. I, I want to say yeah. it was a heart thing, but I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I'll correct that in the notes if that's wrong. But um, yeah, I want to say it was a heart thing, which, yeah. you know, wasn't that the case with like Andre the Giant and. Right. Somebody, That's what I was thinking. Some of these larger, larger men. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd, it'd be tough to have any kind of heart that wouldn't could manage a body right. that big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So such a shame, but a wonderful actor. And I think this is the only episode where he's actually on screen. So yeah. in track, I mean, he was in track as a voice a lot of times, but he, uh, oh, the, and the makeup. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the makeup's so great. The outfits, the, the <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I had so forgotten, good. you know, you, yeah, I, I watched it again to refresh my recollection. And yeah. I was just like, oh Lord, I've, I just, I, I hate it, love it, love it, love it, hate yeah, it, love it. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so basically the plot of this, we don't have to rehash too much because hopefully people listening have seen it, but you know, there's this planet, XO3. It's like super, super cold. I think it's like 100 degrees below zero. And this guy, Roger Corby, has been missing. Um, he, We find out that he was engaged to Christine Chapel, And so they're, they're going there to just like do one more sweep just in case, even though it's been five years and he hasn't like answered any, you know, like in any of the communications that the Federation has sent out. <laughs> um, so and then for some reason he responds all of a sudden after five years to Kirk, which I'm always kind of like, why didn't he answer the hails from the other ships? But <laughs> it's fine. Um, so yeah, so he answers the hail and he finds out Christine is on the ship and he's all excited and they, they beam down. Everything seems cool. Cause he's like this, you know, famous, um, what do they call like him? A respected, like a, so he's an archaeologist. He's a, he's a arch, archeological medicine was what the, I think. Yeah. They, I think yeah. they, I think whatever they, that is the pasture of archeological medicine. Yeah. Um, which I guess is Louis pasture, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they mentioned a couple of other his, historical doctors and including, I think one that doesn't exist. So right, like, right. it must be part of the show. I love it when they do that where they're Me like, too. Shakespeare, James <laughs> Joyce, and yeah. Morgathon. Right. <laughs> I love that too. You gotta add one that's like in the in the twenty second century. Right. <laughs> I, love, I love it when they do that. I also love it when they say like, "This is required reading." That was required reading at right, the right, academy. Right. It's like that's right. Did they ever do anything but read books at the academy, or was? It- <laughs> I know. Just, I know. Is it just a library that they just put them in and they're like, okay, see you in six years? Like, what? <laughs> and you mentioned they beam down this. It's an icy planet. I just want to point out that it's an icy planet. And yet, Chapel still comes down in her little mini skirt yeah. on this freaking, yeah. what is it? Ne- negative 100, negative 100 and- degrees. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they're, they don't have coats on, but that's no coats. You know, they no they coats. should take a lesson from Bernie at the inauguration and. Uh, <laughs> Bring down goats and mittens. I hope that woman is making a killing on those <laughs> mittens right now. She's so deep in back orders right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, well, and so Christine and Roger have this weird history where she was his student 
and they were engaged and then I guess they broke up I, or maybe like he just like went exploring right after she said yes like will you yeah. marry me Christine I'll be right back I just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. explore some dead frozen alien shit <laughs> like I'll be back in five years like how I don't know how that happened um but yeah I, I just I don't really know what she sees in Roger to be honest in this no episode. he's like, incredibly creepy yeah, which I mean, you could argue, okay, well, this is like the creepy android version of him that got like yeah. the, the cave sickness or whatever. Yeah, but the cave sickness. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's super weird. Um, God, so weird, and it's just oh, so over dramatized. And they have these. I, Star Trek: The Original Series is definitely known for its campy close-ups, mm-hmm. um, but in this episode, you—it's not just close-ups; it's these zoom-in to close-ups yeah. that are kind of jagged, and yeah. then they land on the face, and it's like yeah. mystery, yeah, <laughs> drama. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's I, awesome. I feel like Christine got a lot of screen time and a lot of like close-ups on her face, and like. Yeah. The, the kind of gel filters or whatever that they oh, use gosh, yes, the to make, make her eyes so sparkly and, you know, um, it's interesting. You can tell Roddenberry's like really trying to help her out with her career. <laughs> yeah, but, help her out by using more filters. Yeah. But she's, <laughs> she does a great job to her credit. Um, and uh, so they beam down, they, you know, they forget their coats, but they beam down <laughs> and they, they're smart enough to take along a couple a couple security men, a couple red shirts. Um, right. Once Corby's not there at the meeting point, they pull right. down a couple of new, a right. couple of red shirts. A couple backup dudes, Rayburn and Matthews. And um, we wonder what's going to happen to them. I well, didn't actually, <laughs> even though it was the first red shirt death, it wasn't the first death yeah. um, and of an extra. And I knew, I just knew it. The Even first one was then. in episode three, where no man has gone before. That's where we lost the first, you know, okay. crewman. But um, this is the first time we lose them, when, and they're actually wearing the red shirts. Yeah, but, yeah. But, and I remember, I remember that scream that, like, him falling down the bottomless pit. And I remember yeah. that term, bottomless pit, and thinking, "Wow, that's got to be really big." Yeah. <laughs> Well, and like, also like if it's bottomless, does he ever die or does he just keep right. falling? Right. Like, falling till he dies of like thirst. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at what point do you stop screaming and just go, what, okay, right. like, okay, I'm just, falling. Yeah. I think, I feel like he must, maybe he hits a couple of sides and hopefully breaks a neck or something. That would yeah. be nice. It's, it's or, just such a, a weird time. scene. Speaking of that scene, because like, you know, so Matthews like falls down this pit and we hear him screaming. It's terrible. For it's a long horrifying time. For a long time. And then, um, you know, Brown, the guy, they've run into the assistant Brown by this point. And Brown's like, oh, don't worry about trying to save him. Like, that pit is definitely bottomless. And then everybody's just like, sure, okay, okay let's go. We'll, we'll take your word for that. So, like, so it goes. So yeah. it goes. <laughs> like, how do they know the pit is bottomless? Like, it just, it doesn't really make sense. And I, I mean, just, you know, physics wise, bottomless. I know. I know. Like, you guys are scientists. <laughs> like, this, is, this is obviously a planet. Yeah. Um, it has another has side to it. <laughs> like, yeah. if you keep going, you're going to get to the other side. <laughs> yeah, whatever their version of China is, like, that's where Matthews is. And, like, yeah, I just, but, like, yeah, nobody, but just beyond that, like, nobody investigates. Like, no, and they just, yeah, they keep on, they're like, okay, cool, let's see what's happening here. They, they don't try to save them. Like, and I just, I was thinking as I was watching that scene, like, what's the letter that Kirk has to write to, like, Matthews' family? After this whole adventure, <laughs> when he's like, 
you know, dear Mr. and Mrs. Matthews, like, we're, we're so sorry to tell you that your son is dead. Well, think he's dead. He fell down, down like a bottomless pit. He'll be dead sometime in we, his we, lifespan. I think it was bottomless, place. you know? Like, we don't really know. Yeah, like, I said it was bottomless, so we assume it was bottomless, but we didn't check. We didn't it's interesting him. how these TV shows and these movies quickly teach us who we care about, who, yes. whose lives are important and whose yes. are not. So true. And yeah. we just go, we just follow it. We're just, just all right, cool. It. Yeah. Got it. No problem. We didn't care about him. I know. Like, <laughs> like a crewman falls down a pit in a cave on a frozen planet and like nobody bothers him. And, and nobody stops the exercise. Like it's yeah. not abort, abort. Right. They didn't stop to like say a few words, like nothing. They just keep going. So, I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. But um, I think you're right. I think it's like, that's what television does. It tells us like who's important and who isn't. Um, yeah. I mean, how many times do you watch a hundred people die in a movie, but we don't care, but we're like on the edge of our seat about our protagonist or even our antagonist. Totally. About yeah. it. Anybody that we've formed any kind of emotional connection with. Because we've been told to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're good little boys and girls. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Which should be the name of the Star Trek original episode. Yes. Good, good yeah. little boys and girls. Good little boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry can about we, that. Can we talk about the, I know we should finish the story of the episode, but I want to talk about the title really quickly. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, what are little girls made of? I uh-huh. grew up on those kinds of little I don't even nursery rhyme. I don't know what you yeah. would call that nursery rhyme. Yeah. But, um, about a year ago I posted, what are snips? And, you know, <laughs> what are snips? What are little girls made of? And but then the boys, wait, boys are made wait, of snips and snips. snails and puppy dog tails, which is just kind of gross. It's disgusting and awful. And what a thing to teach you about your gender. On the other um, hand, accurate. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I'm still unclear on what a snip is, but yeah, anyway, you know so moving on, we, we've lost a crewman. We don't care. And yeah, we are we going care. deeper to, into, to find Corby for sure. And, and this is when the second crewman dies, but we don't know that he's dead, but he was strangled. Um, By right Pat, after or, yeah, right. Yeah, he didn't get a chance to call for backup. Um, we don't super care about him either. Uh, and then we, we move on and, we were talking to Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown's super weird. Christine's wondering why he's being so weird. She thinks it's just because he's been in a cave too long. And he's like kind of waxing poetic on how like the ancient aliens like moved from the light into darkness and like replaced freedom with a mechanistic culture. Um, yeah. And he's, and he's taken all communication away from Kirk and was like, I right. need you to see what's going on here before you talk to your yeah. people. It kind of makes you wonder, like for like a supposedly superior and logical being, um, like how did he see that playing out? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I know he's going to well, replace- he hasn't had a lot of like interaction with people in a while. So maybe, right. <laughs> right. maybe he just didn't realize the social dynamic that he was creating. <laughs> yeah. You really get the sense that he didn't sort of think this through, but um yeah, starting with the fact that he only made like one or two androids, you know, and one of them was the sexiest woman that ever lived. That's true. In Hot, the sexiest outfit that was ever Star shown. Trek babe ever. I think. Like, I think she's definitely up there. I, she's I, definitely I, up there. I'm hard pressed to think of another. You're, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's in terms yeah, of like the babe she's, of she's the week, a hottie. You know, because obviously Michelle, Nichols, a, but like she's in terms of the babe of the week, she definitely I think is a contender. Oh yeah. And every scene between the two women, Christine is 
looking her up and down in a very, very deliberate way, like up and down. And there's this, that dynamic too. Cause she's like, who's this? Oh, I don't remember you telling me about this assistant of yours. Yeah. Uh, who's this Andrea person? And yeah. So she's played by Sherry Jackson who was a child wow. star. And then this is one of her first like adult roles. So she was pretty young. Um, and she actually wore this very scandalous costume to lunch while she was filming and was cast on the spot to be like the hot girl in like a James Bond type movie <laughs> called gun. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, like, and I think she also got several like date propositions as well. Yeah. She got, yeah. She wore it to a like, convention. And yeah. Yeah. was surrounded. She's probably get proposed to like on the regular whenever she, put on <laughs> yeah. this jumpsuit, but um, not everybody could wear that outfit. Mm. No, no. And they actually had to have like a sensor person on set making sure that like she didn't have any nip slips. You know, I'm sure. And it's probably the <laughs> same with like, you know, naked Kirk too. Cause yeah. there were some spots on that when he was on oh, the yeah. replicator <laughs> that you could possibly see some things. Yeah. I mean, it was, it had a very convenient metal bar, like right in the right place. <laughs> I thought that was convenient. How, how convenient that that metal bar that's necessary for the replication covers exactly in the area of genitalia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not complaining. Uh, but yeah, we did get naked Kirk in this episode and rumor has it. He actually had to shave down for that scene. He right. had to shave his chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah, okay, but that was already like the third or fourth time that he was bare chested yes. in the series. And only in the-, the third time, <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, like you were saying, oh, William Shatner. Oh, Shatner. I mean, he, he was a good looking dude back in the day. I, I didn't it. think so when I was then, but I do now I'm yeah. looking at it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And that's how I realized that I'm um, old. <laughs> I you going to say straight, but okay. <laughs> no, I've sadly, sadly known that for a long time. Oh, got it. Um, yeah. Like, as you mentioned, there's a really weird, awkward, you know, encounter with Christine and Andrea um, because, like, she's obviously a robot sex worker. <laughs> like, well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> like, she can do all the things. Like, the first thing he's trying to talk talk Christine off the ledge about her. And he's like, she's an Android. There's no feelings. Look, she look, go kiss Kirk and and sends her to go kiss Kirk. And I'm like, okay, why would you, why do you need to create her to have these particular functions then? Yeah. Yeah. And the kiss with Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that was a thing too. He, he grabbed her so hard. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, yeah, he left like marks on her arm. Fingerprints on her arm and her yeah. lips. Her face was like apparently all swollen, swollen and bruised. Up. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I had heard Hashtag that. Hashtag her too. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, you can tell just getting back to the story. Like, you know, if this android walks in in that jumpsuit, like you're, you're, <laughs> your first thought is like, this is not a robot designed for like no. speakers and bunch She and could be wearing a burlap sack and you yeah. still think she was right. <laughs> created for one purpose. I mean, we know she's not a Roomba, you know? Like- <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting, um, <laughs> it's an interesting choice that you made there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess Christine gets over it cause she, um, she's just happy that Roger's alive and whatever. Yeah she kind of looks past that you know and uh and then i guess uh some more plot exposition type stuff happens and uh we have the weird scene where corby's trying to explain the robot thing and um yeah and he says like what does he say like an android is like a computer it only does what i program yeah yes <laughs> and you think like okay what do you program <laughs> right 
Which um, obviously you've programmed her to kiss. Yeah, exactly. You you put some programs in. There's some floppy disks in there that you know, <laughs> questionable. Um, and like, and then he says, you know, he goes, "You think I could love a machine?" And I love what she says in response. Like, did you? Did you? Yeah, I, yeah. I thought about that too. She really did. I thought she'd be more um, demure mm-hmm. about r- referencing that kind of relationship, but she wasn't no, at all. Really, no. It's pretty. It's pretty like to the point. It kind of yeah. makes me think. Have you seen this movie, like Ex Machina? I have not. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, and it's it's just sort of. I don't want to give anything away because it's just like a great movie. But yeah, I don't want to know any. If you all you have to do is recommend something to me, yeah, but yeah, go and watch this because. Okay. It's not just a a movie a, that's like a science fiction movie. It, it deals with a lot of questions about um, kind of in the same way that Westworld does about like, what does it mean? It's kind of like the Pygmalion question, right? Yeah. What does yeah. it mean for a man to create like a female form for himself, yeah. you know? And what happens if that thing is sentient? What happens if that thing has autonomy, you know? Um, which is, it's sort of this great metaphor for, you know, feminism really. And for like the female perspective, you know? So, um, it's just, it's kind of a great, uh, set of questions that that sort of leads you down. And I think this, yeah, I think this, this episode for me is, is kind of asking some of those questions without asking them, you know, like, what does it mean to make a female body for yourself? Yeah. You know, um, and then what I happens mean, if that if that um, creates becomes more than an object? It's right. If it becomes if it gains personhood, you know, right. then what happens? You know. So and I mean, and that's it's not just a feminine. I mean, that's been an ongoing storyline mm-hmm. a million times. Um, when you know the the, the robot turns sentient mm-hmm. when the, mm-hmm. the computers take and. and it, in most cases, it doesn't turn out well. <laughs> right, right. In <laughs> most cases, it doesn't go great. And, yeah. and in this case, for her, the first time that this this kind of was a little irritating for me when mm. when she when Kirk decided, and this is not the only time he's decided to co- try to confuse a computer or a robot so mm. that he can get out of a, a sticky situation. Right, where he breaks the computer's brain. This is right, a right. common theme. Does not yeah. compute. Does not compute. In fact, uh, I actually wrote down like all the times that he did that. Like, oh, good. Yeah. He's done it a bunch. And I think that might've been the first time. Yeah. But, um, but when he for, was doing that to her and trying to confuse her so that he could get out of, you know, the sticky wicket in which he found himself, uh-huh. um, she goes to try to kiss him. Right. And she doesn't realize he's actually not him. He, he's the replicant right. of Kirk. Mm-hmm. And he says, kissing is illogical. And she says, you're not going to kiss me. And then she, she shoots him. Yeah. So the, her first real act as like thinking on her own as a, as a, what a woman, I guess, mm-hmm. is yeah. to kill someone for not giving her sexual attention. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That, that was a little bit like, Oh, okay. so we know what you think of women and the way they reason. Gotcha. Right. But is it even fair to like use the word woman to describe her? Because it, like, unlike these other androids, she's not modeled after an actual human that we know of. Agreed. I'm not, and I'm not considering us thinking of her as women. I'm thinking of the writers For considering sure. yeah. her a woman and what a woman would do. I, th- I think it's also <laughs> really interesting that like the male androids in this episode all were modeled 
either modeled after actual people with like rich, complex emotional lives, or they were like Ruck, who was this, um, Android, yeah, who was modeled after the ancient ones and had lived in this cave for like a millennia or whatever. And, and then you have Andrea and it's like, they She's didn't like one dimensional. Yeah. They didn't find it necessary to give her any kind of like backstory, you know, or any kind of like right. any kind right. of programming beyond just kiss and slap, you know? And, and I just called Ruck a thug. And then I thought, you know, he's actually more than that because it's, he's confusing. He's, he's kind of a henchman, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of like the wise one from mm-hmm. the before times like who the, has, yeah, you know, so he, you really think of him as just a henchman for most of the episode. Mm-hmm. But then he's sort of like Kirk breaks his brain and, and kind yeah. of confuses him. And then he sort <laughs> of realizes like, Oh yeah, I remember now I killed all those old aliens because they went evil whenever they had this technology. That's and, the solution or something. He yeah, says. That's exactly. the, yeah. yeah. So, and I, I found my notes here. There are actually four separate times in the original <laughs> series where Kirk talks a computer to death. Um, <laughs> are any of them, are any of them muds women? Uh, yes. Yeah, so there's, well, yeah. it's not muds women. It's the sequel. I mud. I mud. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. There's also return of the archons um, and the, the changeling and the ultimate computer. So, wow. And then there's this episode, which sort of counts, but, you know, they're not really computers, but they kind of are. But yeah. Um, But yeah, no, all of that is super interesting to me. I love like Android mythology type stuff. Like I got really into Westworld. I'm all about this kind of stuff. Westworld is amazing. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it really, it really is. So incredibly well done. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know if you noticed, we didn't actually finish the whole story, I guess. I don't know if we don't really have to take it by scene. I just kind of had notes and stuff, but like, yeah, we can jump around. Well, well, I mean, they kind of, in in the end, we find out that Corby is himself actually an android. Yeah. That's like the big, the big reveal, you know, (laughs) right. The big reveal. Other other than the giant purple penis, the second biggest reveal. (laughs) (laughs) his hand comes apart or whatever and and um yeah and can't you love me i'm still me and to christine and all of this and uh, so there's all of this basically the whole episode is saying you know robot bad and and the very last scene i don't know if you noticed this but the very last scene he's back kirk is back you know in captain seat Mm -hmm. and uh he speaks to the computer to the helm Mm. the very last scene is him is the picture of a computer and him in community i didn't realize that and i wonder if that was on purpose wow i never would have thought of that i'm gonna have to go back and watch yeah yeah just watch the last yeah the last few minutes um i was like oh that seems like that was pointed wow (laughs) i didn't i didn't pick up on that at all but i'm definitely gonna have to go back and and check that out i think it's it's so interesting that like that twist is so good because you really don't see it coming. As crazy as Roger is, like you just assume he's just crazy, and then yeah, at the end he's he, emotional. He to it, be crazy is to be human, you know. Right, it's passionate and crazy, and it definitely we. I definitely didn't see it coming. Nowadays, I would see that coming because it's happened so much, mm-hmm. so many times. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the. Um, you know, even like there's some uh, really good Twilight Zone episodes, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm also a big dork about, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> that go into the question of the, uh, of the robot and the Android. And, and right. why can't, why can't I be treated like a human? Why can't I have a, a human life? Right. Like, I mean, and, and it's kind of the question, like, is he a real boy? You know what I mean? Is, I was just going to 
saying. So Pinocchio, it's all Pinocchio. It really is. Yeah. Like, I mean, but is he? Like, I mean, because at the end, you know, he, and then there's that great trigger scene. Like the first time I saw that and I, even this time watching it really quickly, like I had to go back and rewind. It's like, you can't really tell who's pulling the trigger. I was going to say who, right. Oh, when they killed, when they both die together, they have this like a passionate embrace and then then it's like a death embrace. And then his hand like covers her hand and then one of their hands pulls the trigger. And we don't know who killed them. That's right. I don't really know. And I think it's Roger, but I I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like it could have been. So who's Geppetto in this whole thing? Like who is the, who's Geppetto? Right. Because in a way he kind of creates himself, which you know, gets really, but, but Ruck was already there. He couldn't have done any of that without Ruck. True. Right. True. But then like, basically, so he's dying of frostbite and his like legs are falling off and stuff. And so he creates a body for his consciousness yeah. and transfers his consciousness. So in a way he, he self creates. Yeah. He's Geppetto and Pinocchio. And crazy. I know it's trippy. <laughs> it's trippy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting, like all of their kind of like breakdown points and, and what kind of breaks their computer brains. And I think for him, for Corby, it's like that existential crisis of who am I? Yeah. You know? And, and there's a, there's been a theme of, of human mixed with, you know, cyborg mm-hmm. or the Borg, for instance. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of that in Star Trek. Yeah. I think Star Trek is, is really constantly asking this question of like, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be human? Like even when we were talking about, um, wrath of Khan, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that film is about what is the nature of humanity, you know? Yeah. And that we, we just get that question so many times in Star Trek. It's one of my favorite things about Star Trek. Oh, I mm-hmm. just love it. I just love it. I just love it. Yeah. So, and I guess androids with emotions, like you said, or androids with sentience usually turns out bad if, <laughs> in the case of data, but, um, you know, even well, data, yeah, the, no, even data, when they gave him the emotion and chip, right. It turned out bad. It turned out bad. And you had lore who was like data 2.0 who, right. Could, and he was a complete jackass. Real bad. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know if, um, yeah. Has, are there anywhere it turns out, I guess the only, maybe, um, What's the one with uh, I don't the get... little boy robot? The, um... Oh, yeah. And yeah. it turned out bad for, for him, yeah. but he, he was a good little boy robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like, you know, you could argue, like, um, the doctor in, um, in Voyager, who kind of is the computer, you know, medical program that sort of gains sentience. Yep, yeah. I mean, he's sort of an example. So I think it's, you see it sometimes, but it's, and also but mostly not, it's, mostly it's Frankenstein. Mostly, mostly it's Frankenstein. Yeah. It's Frankenstein. Yeah. And I will tell you, you do have to watch Picard and I won't say why, but it's. Don't of, say why I'm doing it. I'm going to, I'm going to binge yeah. it. I'm yep. going to binge it. Um, but yeah, if one thing is for sure. And that is that even when you're an Android ladies, it just takes one friggin' Roger to screw up your life. <laughs> <laughs> One horrible Roger. One horrible Roger. (laughs) So, but Andrea is the last Android standing, um, which is pretty cool. And if I, uh, if someone refuses to kiss me, I can shoot them. That's right. That's what I, that's what I learned from this episode. That's the real takeaway here. That's the moral of the story. (laughs) It's a parable, really. I still have a lot of questions. Um, (laughs) I want to know what happened to all the alien stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you mean the, all the aliens on that planet? No, no, no. Like all their stuff. Like what happened to the big spinny merry-go-round? Like did the Federation take it apart? Right. Or? I wonder, like I wanted to see them destroy it. Yeah. 
It would have been a little more uh, satisfying, but apparently there it, it is a big part of the blooper reels. People drunk and spinning around on that on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was another little bit of trivia for this one too. It's the last time they used those um those phasers, those little black and white Yeah, phasers. right, right. They upgraded to the new model um mm-hmm. after this episode. Yeah. I also do you think there's maybe any more rocks hanging out on this planet? Like is he right. the only one? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, were they the only ones left there? I don't know. Well, so the old ones is an HP Lovecraft reference. Um Oh, right. And, and like in, intentionally, but I don't know if he's like the last of his kind or, and he's just kind of keeping things running. I, like, why is he still alive is another question. Like, I mean, he's know? a robot, right? And that's what, but what killed all the other ones? Well, the, he did, he, he did in, in his kind, like the, the robots killed their masters because they, um, I guess well, were they, they were going to be. They were going to kill them. Right, 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 right. That's what it was. But, it was what, like, but what happened to the other robots? I think I've missed that yeah, part. I see. That's my question. What happened yeah. to all the other robots? And then, like, if if something did happen, like, let's say there was this epic battle and all the robots killed the aliens and all the aliens killed the robots and, like, the only one left standing in the rubble is is Rock. Like, let's assume that is what happened. Why? Yeah. Why keep you know, why keep his like internal motors running? Like why not shut down? Cause all of his programming was like to, I don't know. I just, or, or alternatively, if his programming was leading him to like, um, protect Android existence, then why not make more androids? Like, why did he wait for, for Corby yeah. to make more? Like, yeah, I just, I all of, so many questions there. There for, are definitely some holes in the story. Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like it's not like it's not real. <laughs> burn. Like burn. But, but I'm glad I'm glad that you picked this one for me because you know my affinity for phallic stalactites. <laughs> like, that's just really important yeah. in my life. Right. And right. I mean so, it, it makes so you wonder, this- like if you were gonna make an Android version of yourself, like would you change your anatomy at all? Like do you think Kirk, if he was making his own Android, would give himself like a much bigger stalactite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a little, a little, a little off the sides and uh, <laughs> a little more in the middle. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Like, I wonder but if I wonder robots, if Patrick gave himself an upgrade. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I ju- th- I think this uh, obsession with making with making uh, women toys, you yeah, know, is is definitely it's pervasive. <laughs> I mean, just think of the blow up doll. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say like this exists in our culture. We know that. Oh yes. Um, oh yes. Yeah. But, um, so, and this is also one of the only three original series episodes, another fun fact where the title is a question. So I was going to ask, right. can you guess any of the other two? Oh gosh. <laughs> My brother would kill me for not being able to answer these questions. Thought I would put you on the spot a little bit. Oh, well, I'm going to just turn it around and put you on the spot. Oh, no. This is the only of three episodes uh-huh. in which there is no McCoy. Yes, I do did you, know that. Do, do you know the, any, the, the other ones? Ooh, okay. Let me think. Because I don't remember that either. <laughs> you can tell me any name and I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. oh too bad you don't have them written down. Because like, yeah, I, I, I should have. Yeah, I should have. Yes, but I, I wouldn't know for sure. 
Mm. There was already just so much material. I'm like, this is, I could talk about this for six hours. I could stop. Oh, the other little bit of trivia was that, that there are only a few in all of the series episodes where, um, the captain has a death scene. Right, right, right. Yeah. R- right. So, cause it's not really the captain. Right. The fake Kirk death scene. Yeah, or yeah. the fake Picard. Right. Right. Yeah. There are just a few. Um, the other two. Yeah. Tell me. With the, with the question title are who mourns for Adonais and is there no truth in beauty? Is there no truth in beauty? Those are two that, great. That was the that was the one on the tip of my tongue, but I wasn't going to get there. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know the answer to the McCoy question, but I am promising my listeners right now that I'm going to do some research and find out. Yeah, I want to look it up, and then you have yeah. to go look at the last scene where he looks at the computer and he says something like, "Steady as we go, Helm." Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they always do like there's like a little joke or something at the end, and then. You know, I think in this one, it was like Spock and, and Kirk, Spock was kind of ribbing Kirk for using that like racial slur. Right. Uh, calling, yeah, calling him a half breed. So he knows that it's not him. Right. Right. And so he's kind of um, a hard time. Thinking, on, thinking on his feet. Well, thinking off of his feet. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the last, very last scene is steady as you go, Helm talking to the computer. And I swear that's on purpose. It's gotta be right. Maybe. Well, well, Helm, if he says Helm, he's talking to the guy manning the Helm. Well, he, well, the, look at the computer and the computer blinks back at him. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. But when, but like I'm saying, like when, when they say Helm, they're talking to the crew. And yeah. Helm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I will definitely check out that scene. Cause I, that's super cool. They focus. Yeah, see if I'm crazy. I might be making it up in my head because I just wanted it to be there. <laughs> well, if it wasn't there, it should have been there because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's just the meaning. <laughs> it's questionable. So what what song did you pick to oh. pair well with this episode? Well, I was going to go with uh, Mr. Roboto, but I decided <laughs> not to. But I did go kind of like on the nose with Robot, and I picked one of my very favorite bands, Radiohead, Paranoid Android. Amazing. Okay, that's so funny because that was definitely I was thinking about Paranoid Android. Like that was oh, okay. one of my choices, but I went with Mr. Roboto. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, awesome. it was just too perfect. Like that's so great. Why I'm like secret, secret. I've got a secret. I mean, and he goes Kilroy, and I'm like Corby. This is like it's too it's perfect. It's perfect. You know, like I'm just a man who needed someone somewhere to hide. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. Problems plain to see. Too much technology. Machines to save our lives. Machines dehumanize. Like it's, <laughs> it is this episode, but um, it is. It's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but that one is a good one too. That Radiohead song. Um, yeah, I mean, paranoid android. It's kind of perfect, but yeah. in a, just the title just alone. The title really. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I also thought about, I didn't end up doing this one, but my other pick was uh, that Flight of the Concord song, the, the Humans Are Dead Now. Do you know this oh one? Oh my God, I don't know that, but I love Flight of the Concord. <laughs> I think it's called uh, Robots, but it's like, the humans are dead. <laughs> like, and it's, you know, something like we, oh gosh, I think you I should add the bonus track. I'm you should add, add a bonus it. track. It's, it's, so good. it's like, uh, we use poisonous gases and we poison their asses. <laughs> It's just so good. They're spectacular. They're so amazing. And they're so beautiful. They have like like an air hostess in the 60s. (laughs) Like Like a a tree. Time model. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's go get a kebab. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man. Well, uh, I do have one more question for you. Um, we dun, always, dun, dun. yeah. Well, we all <laughs> had a, a track from our our musical guest um, to include in our in our uh, Spotify playlist that accompanies this this podcast. Great. So, what song of yours would you like to add to our collection? Well, I picked, I mean, I guess it doesn't really have to pair up with the episode exactly, but it kind of does because it's called Frostbite. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Perfect. my song. It's called Frostbite. And uh, I normally wouldn't have picked it, but for two reasons I'm going to, because it, this episode was based on an icy planet and uh, Corby almost died from Frostbite. And yep. secondly, because my sister really likes the song, my sister, Amy, and um Hopefully somebody else will too. <laughs> it's on my new, my latest release someday, maybe sooner. Awesome. Well, we will definitely check that out and I will add that to the playlist. Thank you cool. so much for coming on. Is there, do you have any final thoughts for our listening audience? Well, my final thoughts, I guess, are just, I'm getting, I'm ready to go back and dive into the series again because it's just so, so good. Um, but I've, you've given me so much homework now. I've got Picard and then I've got the other room. Maybe I got the discovery and I've got, you watch the new I, ones. I need to watch. Yeah. I need to do that. Cause I've seen the old ones. So I'll, I'll, I think Picard is going to be next on my list. Picard's pretty good. But, I, I discovery is great. I know there's some people that like hate on discovery, but it's awesome. Especially this last season was really good. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. I'll check it out. Cause I'm, I'm, even though the original series was my gateway, uh, I'm not a purist to the exclusion of other series. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I like them all. Um, and so maybe that's my, that'll be my final thought. Don't be a purist to the point of exclusion, no matter what your gateway star, uh, star Trek show was. I agree with that. I second that. Absolutely. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days? Do you have any kind of project you want to promote or like, are you working on a record? I'm going to try really hard to leave the house today. Cool. Um, cool. No. Um, I actually put out a record a few months ago in the pandemic, or it could have been 20 years ago in the pandemic. Oh, I don't know. Time has no meaning yeah. at this point. We're all living in those frozen caves. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Um, uh, but I, I've got a new record called Someday Maybe Sooner. Uh, please check it out. Best place to check it out is to buy one off of my website. But I'm on all the things, the Spotify's and the Amazon's and the iTunes, all the things. And what is your website URL? Uh, BarbaraNesbitt.com. And it's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-N-E-S-B-I-T-T.com. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, other than that, I do live streams on Facebook. I'm lucky to be a one-man band and be able to make a few dollars extra for that. I've also got a Patreon page where you can hear I've written 20 new songs in the last year, and they're all uh, in there. Um, I'm not saying there are, any of them are good, but, <laughs> but at least I'm writing. And then when I haven't been writing, um, I have thoughtlets, which are just these videos of random crap that come out of my head when I'm by myself that I've decided to share with other people um, so that either they think I'm crazy or they're no, they're not alone in being crazy. Yeah. Um, it's a great title. Thoughtlets. Thoughtlets. So yeah, you can go to my Patreon for as little as $2 a month, I think, and you can quit at any time. Mm -hmm. um, so you could sign up for that and check that out. And I'm also doing coronagrams, which is you can hire me to sing a, make a video with a song and a message to send to somebody, a workmate, a friend, a lover, a mom, um, anybody. Mm -hmm. And they've been really great for me. Like just, I mean, yes, cause I need to make a living, but 
getting the response from the recipients and how much it may brighten their day mm. has been the absolute best. I love that. You guys, if um, you're listening, you should definitely order order somebody you love a Barbara Nesbitt coronagram today. Or a Grace Pettis coronagram. Like, not just me. Anybody who you like, I'm sure, you know, we should pick your favorite musician and say, hey. You can talk we, into us into this, probably. Yes. It's, I'm not proprietary about it. I, if you, But if you go to my website, there's you can get some more information about um, what I do for them. And other than that, look for a live stream, probably this coming Friday or Saturday. I'll post about that on Facebook and on my website. Sounds well. good. And this is actually one of the rare episodes that I record and then I'm going to release pretty much right away. Most of the time I record them like well in advance and the next few in the pipeline are like already in the can, but this one is going to go up in just a couple days. So which is good. I should have actually asked that before I said when I'm playing next, but nope, it works um, out great. that would be, that would be fr- Friday the 29th or Saturday the 30th is what I'm looking at. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Barbara. Thanks for having me. I love this you. Just, thank you for doing this. this. Perfect. I love that you're doing this. I love that you're such an incredible talent and also a complete geek. And also such a huge nerd. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. You too, buddy. This has been another edition of Troubadours on Trek. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever listening platform you use and head on over to patreon.com slash Grace Pettis to join the crew. This is your host, Grace Pettis, giving her all she's got, beaming out. See you next time.